five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. I got some big meetings today, so I'm going to keep it focused. How about, uh, yeah, yeah, you say that every day. I'm really going to try and keep it down under 10 minutes every now and then. Just so those of you who complain it's too long and don't know how to run it at double speed can figure it out. So let's get over to the new Kohl's back to school ad. It's really nice. Everyone's looking forward to the school year, but sometimes the best part about being back is the excitement of heading home. A plus. Kohl's. And there you go. So that was a nice quick 15-second spot by Kohl's. I don't remember. I was disappointed that Kohl's closed during the pandemic, and that's where we're going to go next with Ritson. I just didn't understand it. You know, I didn't understand why Walmart would stay open and Kohl's wouldn't, or Target would stay open and Kohl's wouldn't. You know, but it's Wisconsin, and maybe they're conservative, and who knows why. <laughs> who knows why? But if there's anybody over at Kohl's, I'd love to talk to you sometime. I've been trying to work with you for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, let's get over to the news. Okay, we're going to go right to Ritson now. There we go. And Ritson basically is going to compare the pandemic performance of Procter & Gamble versus Coke. And the lesson he's got it for us is you don't cut ad spend in a crisis. Right? Makes sense. You don't cut ad spend in a crisis, okay? So he talks about how bad it was in 2020, and everybody wanted to see, everyone wanted to see what P&G in the third quarter stock call was going to do with COVID containment, in the COVID containment quarters ahead. The reason, there were three reasons why people wondered what P&G would be doing after a disappointing Q2. Uh, first of all, Procter & Gamble was founded in 1837. That's even older than me. And COVID wasn't a new thing. It was just the next big bump along a very long and bumpy road. Second, P&G has not only navigated these bumps, but consistently prospered from them. P&G actually has a corporate culture of prospering because of hard times, not despite them. And that's a lesson I want to talk about today, is going forward, fighting the good fight. How do you keep going? The company that invented most of the concepts that we now form the basis for the base, now form the basis for modern branding, we wanted to hear what they had to say. And the man on the end of the line was Big John Muller. And he was not the CMO. He wasn't the CEO. He was the CFO, COO. And you can see why Procter & Gamble prospers in crisis. Because when the finance guys realize that the biggest opportunity comes in the worst times. <laughs> you know, I was listening to a real estate podcast I wanted to go get a condo or something in Nicaragua, you know, about 20 years ago. My wife said, are you, are you nuts? <laughs> of course, I am a little nuts. But now there's a lot of people think it's like the paradise of the Caribbean. You know, uh, there's a proverb in, in 
you know, crazy real estate investing that, that uh, before you want to invest in a country before the blood on the street dries. I don't know that that's true. This is not financial advice, but uh, Big John got on there and he said, the best response to what we are challenged with is to push forward, not to pull back. How many CFOs out there, if you're listening to me, said, oh my gosh, we got to cut. We got to cut everything. And what's the first thing to cut? The advertising. You know, it's fun. It's fundamental. It's fundamental to, to marketing, not just to marketing, to capitalism. You know, I was driving down the street this morning in my little town and I saw this this sign up on the sidewalk. Belly dancing. <laughs> Belly dancing classes starting soon. And I thought. Huh, maybe soon I could take belly dancing classes. Do men even do that? I don't think so. <laughs> but I got a good belly for it. <laughs> Plenty of belly. I could jiggle <laughs> that belly. Anyway, the point isn't that I'm going to sign up for those. I don't particularly like dance classes. And, you know, I could barely get out of my easy chair. But the point is that it got my mind thinking about it. Right. As a boy, I learned about I'd walk a mile for a camel. I I learned about cross your heart bras that lift and separate. I learned about all kinds of things I have no real interest in at all. And part of it was because or mainly because of advertising. Right. Advertising sticks things in your brain, whether you like it or not. And now I've got the belly dancing class in my brain. I don't I don't think that's the kind of thing you want to suggest your wife take up. I just don't think it would work, it would go well. But maybe she'll watch this. Luckily, I don't think she ever does. What do you think out there, style consultant? Is that <laughs> style consultant says don't laugh at your own jokes. Okay, well it's too late for that. But I did, if you remember, a month or two ago, it said that if you're going to do live stream, you should have some humor in it. Uh, and laughing gives you credibility, although I'm not exactly sure why. Okay, so the company was not only not going to cut its uh, budget, not only going to commit its full 2020 budget, but increase budgets in the face of COVID-19. We really do expect to come out of the crisis stronger than we went into it. Okay, and this was the CFO talking. Can you imagine that? Right. But you know... Your CFO reads books, too. The CFO knows that buy low, sell high. The CFO knows about return on investment. The CFO is a financial person. When's the best time to buy? In a downturn. When's the best time to sell? At the top of the market. <laughs> Any CFO knows that. And what's the best deal <clears throat> in a downturn? And the answer is advertising because they're begging people to put ads up. And that's the way it was in 2020. Absolutely was. Ad prices plummeted. You could get the best deal. Not only that, but we'll go on. Let's go on. Okay, most big companies decided to reduce and in many cases completely cut their 2020 advertising. And 24% of the brands that had paused all advertising by Q2 are gone and dark. Okay, and this is from a study over here. What happens when brands stop advertising by Aaron Bass Institute for Marketing Science? 
and the, the sails of a brand are like the height at which an airplane flies. Advertising spend is like its engines. While the engines are running, everything is fine. But when the engine stops, the descend eventually starts. Pretty good, huh? Right. And that is an engine of capitalism because it lets us know about new products, new ideas, and companies that are still doing business in the midst of a crisis. That's a big, that was a big deal for a while. Sometimes you couldn't even find out whether people were open, closed, indoor seating, outdoor seating, what? They just didn't, didn't show up. Marx, Karl Marx hated advertising. He thought it was a complete waste of money. You know, he thought multiple brands for washing machines and refrigerators were a complete waste, waste of time. There should be one brand of refrigerator, one brand of car, and if you didn't like it, then tough. And, of course, but there was no innovation, there was no customer service, there was no reason to pay any attention to anybody. If they wanted a refrigerator, they had to buy yours. And you've seen, we've seen what that does to an economy. It just destroys it. And as it's going down, people start saying, well, we're not too worried about working anymore. So anyway, uh, here's a detailed study and they, and they will, and this is, we'll put this up on the, on the website, okay? With lots of great sales change after stopping advertising, just like an airplane. Okay, so back to Ritson. Coca-Cola, contrary to P&G, paused its global advertising efforts during the worst pandemic month of the worst pandemic months. Advertising investment was cut 35% and 2 billion was wiped from the company's communication budget. Okay? Coca-Cola gave three reasons. One was the Tokyo Olympics. Second was all the problems with social media and hate out out and where they would like to advertise. And the third was to support local communities. I'm not sure what they did. Nobody remembers. But what happened was, uh, and here, here's, uh, let's see, who's this talking about? This is the CEO, James Quincy. Why would I want to spend money in a period if I can't get the return, particularly if there's a strong lockdown? We thought no marketing is going to make much of a difference in the second quarter, so we pulled back heavily, and their sales went down 11% for 2020, right? They needed a boost. They needed people to pick Coke when they were doing their online shopping. Other, other channels picked up the slack in on-premise sales, okay? But what about building long-term brand equity? And uh, Ritson is a big advocate of the 60-40 rule, which says that, I forget it, it was 60% for promotion. I'll just cut it to 50-50 if you can't remember that. <laughs> About half your ad budget should be sent, bent on long-term image and stuff like our beautiful logos down below. And about half your, your advertising should be spent on, you know, let's buy something today, which I'm going to be doing later in <laughs> going to breakfast and uh, with Chuck. So why would Clincy think it's not going to make a difference? You know, one of the reasons is because most CEOs don't really think that advertising is, makes any difference. Like Karl Marx. Is your CEO a Marxist? Probably. Deep down in his soul, you know, he'd like to give everything away and except then he doesn't get his bonus. Okay, so the pause ent- gave a significant advantage to, Co- to Coke's rivals, most notably PepsiCo. 
PepsiCo sales were up 4%. I, and that's in the bowels of the article, highlighted, of course. See, what happens is brands cut back from advertising because they, uh, their target consumers are facing a difficult period. One brand, however, maintains its marketing investments and reaps all the rewards as a result. It's not because the company or the customers, it's because the competitors shut their mouths. <laughs> as they cut back or go completely dark, the same ad budget suddenly delivers a significantly better share of voice. And for a better for a better price. So when everybody stops selling, everybody stops saying, see, we have stuff for you. You might like it, like belly dancing. When everybody stops that, the one sign stands out, which it did on the way. Okay. So Pepsi reported a 5% growth for 2020 and Coca-Cola a 11% loss. That's a 16% swing there. I don't, I don't know what it did for market share because they're not. They're not equals there. Okay, so P&J's results were up 4% for 2020. And I was talking with a business-to-business mailer who did some, well, they're not really a mailer anymore because, you know, they sold off the catalog that I helped start. Um, but I talked to Scott yesterday or uh, Friday, and, uh, you know, and I had talked to him back a few months ago. And hopefully he's going to bring me some stuff. We're getting together on Saturday so I can share it with you about what they did in the pandemic to keep things going. And their sales were almost exactly on par with 2019 and 2020. But he said now things are exploding. He said he just can't even believe it. He's so busy he can hardly even play golf with me. <laughs> and that's what happens. What happens is when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. So get the rest of this article. I'm also going to put up the Aaron's Bass article, which is the really high techie stuff that Ritson is referring to that proves all of these things. You can give it to your CEO. You can give it to your CFO. But now I want to go over to daytimers. Bob Dorney, Bob, William, and Richard Dorney, brothers in a small village of East Texas, Pennsylvania in 1947. I considered Bob to be a little bit of a mentor to me. He used to take me aside and try to try to help me. But I'll never forget him telling me that in the history of daytimers, their main business strategy was in good times to set aside money to build a war chest and then to prospect like crazy when times got tough. So many, I, I know so many catalogers are trying to make it on just their customer file. But we're building a, a prospecting tool, a self-liquidating ad vehicle that's tailored especially to catalogers. And I've been reaching out. I called Dana on Friday. I called Russ. I'll put you guys all in the in the in the. I don't think any of them look at LinkedIn, right? And I called a bunch of others. I called Dan uh, out at another big retailer. Uh, so I'm reaching out to to you catalogers who have been. I've been kind of coasting. <clears throat> that airplane is kind of coasting. And and I know it, right? And I watch it happen. And I watch so many mailers stop prospecting. And, you know, I called uh, I called Wayfair. I think it was Matthew out there Matt, at Wayfair. And I, I left him a message and I said, you know, I noticed that your, your lifetime value was up. Your average order was up. And your percentage of revenue from cust from existing customers was up. Now, all of those things were mentioned as positives in the article. But I said, you know what? 
I bet Wayfair cut their mailing to customers or to prospects. I bet they stopped trying to prospect with mail. My experience with hard numbers is that the digitally acquired customers are worth about 25% as much of in subsequent revenue and profit as which means they're basically not worth it. They're hardly worth it at all. They're worth about one quarter though compared to the customers acquired by mail. And the uh, customers acquired through Amazon are worth even less than the, than the social media digital. You need to be mailing something. And we have, a, we have a new package, never before done before. It's absolutely an integration of digital and mail. It's designed for people on their cell phones, but it's something that you can mail to them. And it's not just one little measly postcard, which isn't going to really turn the crank. So I hope you get in touch with me. I'm going to be reaching out to more. But what, what Bob Dorney told me was prospect in the tough times. And right now the mailboxes are empty. Now is the time. Yeah, the postage is up. Guess what? We can figure that out too. We always have. You know, we've been mailing 150, 200 years. <laughs> Let's get going. I'm John Miglosh. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Have a great, great day. Bye-bye.